When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Bulletin. Right, uh, Bulletin time this morning, and it's uh, with uh, Alex Chapman, who's a regular here on SENZ. And, uh, Chappie, I'd imagine uh, you've caught up with the news that uh, FIFA have uh, donated 20,000 free tickets to the New Zealand side of things, not Australia, New Zealand side of things, which to me is a worry a week out. Uh, yeah, morning, Smiley. Um, it is a worry, having said that, and I think I said this last time I was on with you, that we, we're just so notorious, and Grant Robertson said this yesterday, we're notorious in this country for leaving it to the last minute for going to games. So it, it won't be on people's radars. Oh, I know that we're, I think I just said on you, seven days out from the first game, and it still won't be on people's radars, the fact that we're only a week out. So... Maybe it's just a little bit of a hurry-up. Yeah, if this was a men's tournament, maybe the tickets would be selling a little bit better, but I'm, I'm not overly concerned at this stage, and that might be me being optimistic or me being naive or whatever, and I might end up with a whole lot of egg on my face in seven days' time, but I'm not overly concerned at this stage. The fact that it's that many, though, is, is probably a little bit concerning, but, yeah, as I say, I'm, I'm hopeful. Do you think the fact that uh, we're massive underdogs in this and, you know, no one gives us a, a bolter's chance of actually winning the damn thing, uh, even uh, perhaps even getting out of our group, do you think that's a factor in? Because at the end of the day, uh, when we watch our teams play, we like to see them win. Yeah, I mean, we, we absolutely love a bandwagon in this country, don't we? You just look at the, <laughs> the Warriors this season, or the Warriors every season, actually, but the Warriors this season in particular, and we saw it last year with the Blackburns, obviously, in the World Cup, but... There, there is enormous and immense pressure on this Blake, on this, uh, well, that's this Freudian, on this football ferns team um, to perform at this World Cup. And speaking with people within New Zealand football, they know that there is immense pressure on this team. They need to really go out and deliver and perform. And yeah, they had a good win against Vietnam the other night, but man, they should have absolutely trounced them. So I only beat them by what they did with the amount of shots that they had in the first half alone. Um, I, I'm a little bit concerned about this football ferns team, but yeah, Kukunkova seems relatively set on who she wants to play, how she wants to play, the formations that she now wants to play with. And um, you just got to, I suppose, back them in and have faith that they are going to deliver. But yeah, the, the fact that the football ferns aren't the overwhelming favourites or aren't there in, in the discussion points or aren't among the odds favourites to, to even go far, let alone win this World Cup is... Is obviously going to be a big factor, but having said that, you look at the amount of people that have turned up for the US arriving at the airport the other day, the US training yesterday, I anticipate that'll be the case with several other teams, England, obviously European champions at the moment, the way they got uh, absolutely engrossed in attention last year in the UK, uh, there's plenty of absolute stars here, but yes, the football fans do need to do well for casual football fans to be engrossed in attention. Yep, well it's next uh, Thursday night, a week today at uh, Eden Park when they take on Norway and uh, a draw or a win there would be super for interest in the tournament. Uh, let's uh, look at uh, last night, New South Wales uh, managing to avoid being blanked 
Um, is that enough for Freddie, you think, to keep his job? Uh, Kevin Campion thinks it was never in doubt. <laughs> he would say that, wouldn't he? Uh, no, I don't. he can't hang around, can he? He's got a 50% win rate. And yeah, probably amongst most New South Wales coaches in the last 20 years or so, that's actually probably a pretty good win rate. But that's not to say that's a good enough excuse or a good enough comparison. New South Wales have been so poor these last few years at a time when so many people were expecting them to begin a new dynasty after that incredible Queensland one for so long. And to be honest, even going into Origin 1 this year on paper, they looked so much better. Their spine was fantastic. That half pairing of, of Luai and Cleary to Desco at the back. And it just seemed like a lot of the Queensland guys who were having to almost do a double take and go, who, who does he play for again? And really think about it. But man, the way they just kind of dominated those first two games was, was fantastic. I suppose the question is who, if you are to sack Brad Fittler, who replaces him? And that's probably the the massive question for the New South Wales Rugby League board to consider is, okay, if we do get rid of him, who are we going to bring in? And at the moment, yeah, Ivan Cleary was in the box last night, but does Ivan Cleary want to be doing the New South Wales job when he's got such a fantastic Penrith team? Like, it's it's not really the, the dream job, I'd say, for for a lot of these guys, if they have fantastic NRL teams that they can put all their focus and attention into. Yeah, I, look, I, I agree with that. I mean, why would, why would you at this present point in time uh, want to take it on, um, to be honest, unless it's extremely well paid? Uh, right, let's uh, look at uh, women's cricket. Now, I'm um, not sure if you're up on this, folks, but New Zealand did play uh, Sri Lanka again in a T20 match, and uh, Sri Lanka gave us the mother of all hidings. I mean, we scored 140 for nine. Uh, Sri Lanka, 143 for none. For none. And 14.3 overs. This has been one of the oddest tours I can... We either win by a lot or we get smashed. I can't read it. I think that's the White Ferns at the moment as well. Is They've gone from being kind of a top two, top three on the outskirts of maybe fourth at times after that, uh, that South Africa tour and I think it was like 2019, early 2020. But... Yeah, man, that's just so inconsistent at the moment. And I'm not sure if it's a lack of depth. I'm not sure if it's a reliance on on those big names of probably, say, four of them. Bates, Tahuhu, Kerr, Divine. And, yeah, Sophie scored runs yesterday. But if it's almost like if two or three of those four don't fire, then it becomes a massive ask for the rest of the team to really put their hands up. And I think that's concerning about the state of women's cricket at a time when... And that's, that's the, the fascinating thing for me is I'm, I'm far more captivated and entrenched by this women's ashes than I am the White Ferns. And, yeah, that probably helps that they are playing really exciting cricket. But it's also that, that they are just best players. There is far more money being pumped into uh, by the ECB and by Cricket Australia as well for the opportunities that these players have. The, the women's cricket is what... Other women's ashes is what cricket needs to help grow and bring the bring forward the attention into the women's game and the way people are turning up in England to watch is it shows that it's working. They're selling out grounds. They're having enormous media attention. This morning's ODI, for example, was epic. The fact that Australia lost for the first time, I think it was in almost two years. And what I've found is almost curious and frustrating about it is that it is on still in the shadow of the men's ashes. I, I just don't understand why it can't be next year during the, with all due respect, I think the Western Indies and Sri Lanka are, are in England for, for the men's tours. So, 
Now, if you really want to push the focus and the attention and the growth of the women's game, then it needs to be at a time when you can really capitalise on on public interest, which unfortunately, they just can't at the moment. But in terms of the white ferns, it also probably doesn't help that it's on a dusty YouTube channel provided by Sri Lanka Cricket. Yeah, that is true. There's uh, absolutely no one was prepared to televise it in the proper manner. Uh, that doesn't help. Yes, uh, just in case you were interested, folks. Uh, England 200, uh, Australia, sorry, 263 for eight in their 50 overs and chased down in 48.1 overs by England, 267 for eight. That has been really quite an intriguing Ashes. I love that concept actually. One Test match and then these other forms of the game around it under the under the title. Of, I'm not sure it should be the Ashes, but anyway, it is. Uh, but I, I quite like that format of, of all three forms of the game. Do you think that's how tours should be going forward? Yeah, like, if, I do. Regardless of men, regardless of men or women, like put weighted points on each series so that, it, and you make sure that it is a full tour. I think that's a it's a pretty fair way of deciding an overall winner of a tour, and then you have a, a, an overall trophy for it, rather than just yet another A and Z trophy for a Test series winner. Well, every one of those games should count towards something like a World Test Championship or a World Cup qualifying uh, situation, a seeding, uh, a group seeding or something of that nature because uh, those yeah. tournaments are, are being played on a regular basis. I really do uh, think there's a, there's a concept there. No cricket anymore should be just um, mean nothing. I, I don't think so. There's too many, uh, it's too many uh, small windows to throw cricket in. Uh, that uh, that means nothing to me anyway. Uh, something to to talk about in the future, but it just came to me. It's, it's, it's a, a much bigger issue, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> the context of <laughs> cricket. <laughs> we don't have time for that. <laughs> I know. A hell of a concept for women's cricket, right? Okay. Uh, does Wimbledon has Wimbledon been shaking you this time around? What are you expecting out of there? I can't see anyone beating Djokovic in the men's draw, to be honest. And I say that as someone who has Novak Djokovic as one of my least likable athletes of all time, but he's just so sure of himself on grass court. The, I think the fact that victory at Wimbledon would put him level with Federer and the all-time men's singles titles at Wimbledon will be a massive draw cut and a massive motivator for him. Um, having said that, Alcaraz looks really good this morning against Hogwarts. Uh, th- those two could actually end up being, I think, in a way, the saving grace for the next generation of men's tennis players when the baton is finally handed over from Djokovic and, and the end of that, that era of the big three slash big four, if you include Andy Murray for that, that period of time as well. Um, and in terms of the women, Svitolina continues to be uh, an incredible story and at a time when President Zelensky is leading talks at NATO about the war on his country and speaking to other global leaders, including our own Prime Minister. She continues to, to topple her own big name, Svantec yesterday, the French Open champion. And then if, if you ever wanted a storyline on the other side of the draw, Sabalenka, who's obviously from Belarus and is playing without a flag because of what's happening between Ukraine and Belarus, those two could end up meeting in the final, which would be a heck of a story as well. So... I'm, I'm captivated by it. I think when uh, we spoke during the French Open, you asked me how much interest I had in that, and I said not a massive amount. I, I have massive interest in Wimbledon, and it's because it is Wimbledon. It's, it's the history. It's the aura. It's, you even see you know, mates of mine on social media lining up for hours at a time just to get a ticket to be able to go and watch it. It's, it's, it's the mystique that surrounds it, and it is a fantastic tournament. So as much as I wouldn't like Djokovic to win, uh, I think he will win the men's draw. Okay, uh, right. Uh, in about an hour's time, 
um, all of um, the keyboards and that will be going over time in reaction to the naming of uh, Ian Foster's team to take on South Africa. Um, look, this is a much-anticipated weekend of sport at Mount Smart. There's no doubt about it. Biggest weekend they'll ever have. Uh, but I, I just uh, wonder, uh, are you expecting any surprises? Um, uh, are we going to see our very, very best team named? I think we'll see what Ian Foster deems as his best team, which is probably, um, got off the top of my head here, the group, Tokyo, Lomax, Retallick, Sam Whitelock, if he is fit, which it sounds like he is. I'm still unsure whether it will be Frizzell or Barrett at six. Um, based on Ian Foster, probably Scott Barrett at six. Then Kane, Savia, um, your backs will probably be Smith, Moonga. I think they might try Talia. Then Barrett and Ioane, who I think maintain and continue to be the best midfield combination, even when Leonard Brown returns from suspension. They'll probably give Will Jordan a nudge on the right wing, and then I think Bowden Barrett has shown that he is a starting fullback. So um, that's what I anticipate it'll be. That's what I anticipate Ian Foster at this stage sees as his best All Blacks 15, and then going up against the South African team, which <laughs> think about how crazy the storylines were the last time these two teams met. Ian Foster was about to lose his job, and now we've got two teams who are. Really got had, had massive points to prove. The, the All Blacks, how did they improve on what was a really impressive performance last week? The Springboks showing that you know they're the real deal ahead of the World Cup, and I don't think they're probably actually being talked about enough heading into the World Cup. And the fact they sent I think it was thirteen players over early last week, they mean serious business. This is their biggest challenge, and and that shows it. And you know what you're going to get out of the Springboks? They're going to be physical. They're going to play tight. They're going to be based around a, a real forward-oriented game. Um, and to be honest, Smithy, I think 10.5 as your point start at the TAB is worth putting in multis for Springboks to cover that. OK, uh, we'll take that tip. Uh, just finally, Chappie, if you were sitting in a press conference uh, interviewing a, an international rugby coach and you asked him a question and he called you a smart-ass, what would you do? <laughs> Uh, I mean, honestly, it would have to depend who the coach is. If the coach I had a relationship with, or a New Zealand coach in particular, and that was what was a quite interesting thing in that um, back and forth between Eddie Jones and the South African journalists is obviously they're not from the same country and they don't really have established relationships. So, uh, I mean, knowing me, I'd probably just sit there and laugh and be really awkward about it. Um, yeah. It was quite funny, wasn't it? I'm, I'm here for that sort of um, interaction between between athletes and coaches and the media because you know, it's our job to hold, this is very all high and mighty in Porter State, but it's our job to hold them to account. But at the same time, if they don't like what we write or what we say, then they have every right to hold us to account as well. And you know, so with what with Sam Payne after the Super Rugby final, he wasn't stoked about what was said and written about him not fronting for press. And... Um, you know, as long as you can have, I suppose, a civil, cordial discussion and back in conversation about it afterwards and say, okay, this is my side of things, this is your side of things, either we agree to disagree or we come to some sort of resolution here. Um, but man, it makes a good TV, to be honest. <laughs> I was here for it. Then they like, Eddie Jones said it, and then the, spring, the South African journalists went back at him, and then the press are wrapped, and then Eddie just kept going at him, and then all the other journalists were getting involved asking what had happened and what had triggered Eddie Jones to do that. I was just, yeah, chef's kiss. I'm here for that sort of thing. 
Good on you, Chappie. Oh, I think you'd react beautifully. And I think you'll, at some stage in, during Eddie Jones' tenure, you'll have an opportunity to test them. Thanks very much for being part of the... <laughs> Anytime, sir. Thanks for your time.